When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the magnificent Monday edition of The Yard. Hope things are well with you wherever you are today. Not a great weekend in Mississippi State baseball, but we did have a an SEC tournament championship for the Mississippi State men's tennis team two in a row. How about that? Two in a row. We've kind of grown accustomed to uh, – to having some success on this campus and uh, adding some hardware to the trophy case. And so we want to uh, wish Nuno and the group an absolute uh, wonderful NCAA tournament. And uh, this is a team last year that, uh, you know, went a long way, and we thought we thought they would be even stronger this year. They have been in the mix for some big things. And any time that you win a Southeastern Conference tournament championship or a SEC regular season championship uh you're in some elite company and uh especially this time of year you want to be playing uh you know your best tennis baseball basketball whatever you want to be playing your best peaking at the right time shall we say uh so that the men knock off tennessee yesterday and uh, and win that and so very very appreciative of those guys and thankful for their success wish them the absolute best as they move forward into ncaa tournament play I want to thank our friends at campus bookmart and if you have not been in there you need to go in New arrivals regularly, regularly. It's uh, one of those things they're always trying to stay ahead of the game. They're going to have your classics. They're going to have your vintage vault shirts there. They're going to have your walking bully, going to have your swinging bully, uh, going to have the flying M, all that stuff. They've got all that vintage vault stuff there, and that is only for a limited time. You need to understand that as as great as it is, it's not going to be around forever. So they, they roll these things out occasionally, and then you go buy them, and then you, you kind of restock yourselves, and then they disappear again for a while. So go check them out. Uh, and listen, if you're in Starkville today, go by Campus Bookmart and wish Stan Ray a happy birthday. Uh, Stan the man, our longtime friend, longtime sponsor of the Boneyard. Uh, very, very happy to call Stan a friend. Chances are you can catch him out at Duty Noble Field probably four times this week because not only is Stan in the Mississippi State business, he is a Mississippi State man. So, happy birthday, Stan. Uh, go by, see him, Miss Kathy Brown, and the lovely and talented Susie, who runs the show behind the counter, kind of runs it all. You know, she, she's kind of the heart and soul of the operation, or so she tells me. If you can't make it to town, go to campusbookmart.net. Use promo code BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson, and get free shipping on all orders over $50. So, let's get into the baseball weekend that was. Uh, I was in Fayetteville. My first time to cover baseball in Fayetteville. Been up for football, but never for baseball. So I'm somewhat familiar with the campus, somewhat familiar with the town. Uh, and, and one of those things that I have learned about life, uh, the more that I travel in the Southeastern Conference, the more that I realize that people are wrong about Mississippi State and Starkville. And uh, it, it is a tired narrative that is not rooted in fact. Fayetteville is essentially a bigger version of Starkville, and not, and not much bigger. And uh, the campus in and of itself... Really, uh, if, if I'm drawing it up, uh, Mississippi State is, is just as beautiful, if not more so, 
than the uh, the Arkansas Campbell. A lot of construction going on there, especially around Razorback Stadium. And I'll be honest with you, it's not very picturesque right now. But I would not trade anything in Fayetteville for anything we have in Starkville. And that's not being negative about the University of Arkansas. I was treated well. Some of your players were not treated so well out there in the uh, in the outfield by the folks there in the hawk pen. But that's, uh, that's a different story entirely. But uh, a lot of discussion about Bomb Stadium. And I will tell you, now that I have been there, Bomb Stadium, I would say I have not been to South Carolina or Kentucky yet. But based on – I've been everywhere in the West. But every every place that I've been, I would say – Alex Baum is right now number two behind Dirty Noble Field. And it's and, and it's not close, okay? And, and that's, to be fair to the folks at Arkansas, it shouldn't be close because Mississippi State's got, you know, the brand-new facility. But uh, Baum is a really nice place to go watch a ball game. You've got uh, chairbacks all the way down both sides. They've got the hog pin out in left, which is really kind of a poor man's left-field lounge without anything cool to sit on. Uh, but it's a great venue. It really is. And they, uh, the concourse is behind each uh, – you know, baseline there. They've got uh, one of the best things about it is the food trucks, man. <laughs> it's, it's like they've got the, the general concession stand that's got the things you're used to. You'll get your nachos, your hot dogs, whatever, your hamburgers. And then they've got the, uh, the food trucks down each baseline. You can get yourself some barbecue ribs. You can get a pulled pork sandwich. You can get some incredible pulled pork street tacos. Absolutely incredible. I had this every single day. Extra jalapenos and queso, man, you just absolutely can't beat it. But uh, it is a great venue. Was not a great weekend for us. Uh, and so let's get into some of that and kind of you know, look over the weekend that was, and let's do a bit of an autopsy, and we'll get ready you know, to kind of move forward. But uh, the bottom line is this, is Mississippi State went to Fayetteville, Arkansas, in a tie for first place in a Southeastern Conference, and you come home three games out of first place. Uh, not at all what we expected to happen. Not what we needed to happen. We, at the very least, needed to get a game up there and, and hope to kind of to stay in the race, and then uh, you drop three games, and uh, we're beginning to run out of series. And so it's difficult to make that many games up this late, but it is a long season. We'll see what happens. Thursday night, Ethan Small was outstanding. A uh, perfect game, I guess, through four, and then allows a hit in the fifth. It was kind of a C&I single that snuck up the third baseline, and everything still seemed to be okay because he stranded that guy at first, pitched around all that, and then the sixth inning, things just kind of got away from us. He elevated a couple of pitches, and they were able to, to get some good swings on the ball. But it just felt like Mississippi State should have been okay there. We weren't, and uh, we had the one nothing lead, you know, thanks to the Rowdy Jordan home run, the uh, the only home run that uh, Isaiah Campbell has, uh, has allowed this year. And it was an absolute torture. Rowdy turned that, that speed around as good as anybody. As uh, Jake Gotro says, he can turn Velo around as good anybody as good as anybody on the team, and he did. But you knew that one run wasn't going to be enough. But you felt like the way Ethan was pitching, runs were really going to be at a premium in that ball game. And then the next thing you know, it kind of gets away from us. Uh, not a good night offensively. Not a good night pitching wise from the bullpen. Still should have found a way to win that ball game. That's just kind of how it felt. It felt like we. Let them off the hook. We we didn't execute some pitches when we had an opportunity to, and the next thing you know, we're down, and it's like okay, we're we're okay, even though we've never lost a Friday night game this year or the, our game one. It's a Thursday night game, but we had not lost game one all week all year. So I was interested to see how we would come back and perform 
in game two. And, and Peyton Plumley, a slow start, kind of figured some things out, but he, he really has a difficult time with those left-handers. And, uh, you know, that's one of the reasons anytime there's a right-hander lineup, they're going to stack the lineup with left-handers. And, and uh, Arkansas has got some good bats and able to do that. But just was really difficult putting those guys away. Uh, JT, again, had some of that issue, not nearly the way Peyton did, but uh, had some of the same issue. But uh, the the story on Friday was not Peyton Plumley. The story on Friday was an epic collapse of the Mississippi State bullpen. 16 walks issued in that ballgame. Eight of those 16 scored, and that's the difference in the ballgame. That's a difference in the ballgame. Uh, Arkansas had the leadoff man on in seven, the first seven innings. It was ridiculous. And uh, so if I'm talking about that, and I guess this is a, you know, the somewhat of an educated opinion of a former high school baseball coach, is there is a mental toughness issue that goes along with pitching. And I think most people understand that. Ethan Small has it. There are times that I've seen Peyton Plumley have it. JT Ginn absolutely has it. Uh, he's, he's one of those kind of guys that even when he doesn't have his best stuff, he's going to go out there and compete and make you beat him. But when you start having these walks, it's like some, some guys kind of pitch because they're scared to get hit. If that's the case, if that's how you feel, you don't need to be out there. It's as simple as that. So 16 walks issued the most since 2008 when Mississippi State issued 17 against Baylor. I think that's correct. Yeah, so, so 11 seasons. Uh, just an absolute epic meltdown. And you could see Chris Lamontis when he went out there to make the final pitching change. It uh, was not the least bit happy about all the walks. And uh, it's one thing for one guy to have a bad day. But when you have such a collective breakdown of strike throwing from a staff, uh, that speaks to a bigger issue. And uh, I'm not being critical of anybody. I'm just saying, you know, when you've got one guy struggling, the next guy, you have to kind of take it upon yourself and go out there and kind of right the ship. You can't just say, well, it's just not our day. You know, if that's the case, it's never going to be our day. If that's how we feel, you know, when, you've, when you're going up against a team that, um, that beat you on Friday, and, uh, and that, that, for, that game was a competitive game throughout the game, even though I didn't think we, we swung the bats very well. But you can't go out there and be non-competitive and, and start putting people on. There, but that, that leads to a, just a breakdown of everything. Because then what happens is, you know, number one, it's, you know, it, it's cold out there, and you, you, you think you're already beyond that, but you're not. And the defense just simply falls asleep. And even though we didn't make a lot of errors in that ball game, it's one of those things where the propensity to make the error or to have the mental lapse in judgment is much greater when your defenders are having to sit there and sit there and engage, 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 and you're putting people on, putting people on, putting people on, walking people in, walking people in, hit by the pitch. You know, that that speaks to a toughness issue. And I, one of the things that, uh, you know, again, I'm not trying to compare myself to anybody, any other coach or anything like that, but one of the things, you know, I know for my kid, when my kid pitched for me, I knew he might give up back-to-back home runs on a day when he elevates a fastball, but he's not going to walk people. And when you've got people out there that are, that are non-competitive, and uh, you know sometimes you, maybe you don't feel quite right, maybe you're not executing your pitches, but when you consistently have people that are scared to throw inside and scared to throw strikes, 
you've got to, it's difficult to win ball games. I don't care how good you are offensively. If you're scared to go in there and pound the zone, and there are a lot of people that are, that are good front runners. You know, when you get up five, six runs, they have the confidence to go in there and pound the zone and challenge hitters and say, you know what, big boy, if you're going to take it out, take it out, but here it comes. But you kind of find out who you are when you're pitching even and kind of pitching from behind. When you've got to go make a pitch to keep a game even, that's when you find out what you've got in a pitching staff. And I felt like on Saturday, on Friday, pardon me, we did not represent ourselves as a staff that uh, was competitive or mentally tough. And when you go back and think about that, that was one of the strengths of this team, maybe the first 20, 25 games. And we had, you know, we've had a couple of games like this, but they have really been the outliers. You know, we had that ball game at Sunday game at Maine against Maine where it just seemed like we could not, no matter who we trotted out there, we couldn't throw strikes. You know, the only, we only had one pitcher on Friday night that didn't walk anybody, and that was Brandon Smith. And uh, he was outstanding, absolutely outstanding in that ballgame. He pitched twice last week. And so, uh, so you, you feel like maybe you're finding something there, and I, I think he is going to be a star for us. But uh, but that was really the story of the game. You know, Justin Foscue, uh, you know, hits, hits a big home run uh, to kind of keep us in it, and the next thing you know, things get away from us. But uh, we just never seem to find any continuity on offense. And uh, – that particular ball game is just one that I look back and there's so many things that went wrong. But the story of that game is 16 walks. You're not going to beat Starkville High School when you walk them 16 times. That's just it's not going to happen. And in a nine-inning ball game, you're basically giving them you're giving them essentially two base runners an inning. You're just giving it to them. It's almost like let's just go out there. It's kind of like the old uh, co-ed softball league, you know, where you, if you walk the girl, you walk the guy. You know, or you walk the guy, you walk the girl. Uh, so, so we're just kind of opening up, giving you first and second, nobody out. And uh, I, I don't care who you are, or where you're from. At some point, that is going to catch up with you, and it certainly did. We get into Sunday, and uh, JT again pitched winning baseball, and uh, did not want to come out of the ball game, and that's going that's going to be the case with him all the time. That kid's a competitor. I thought he really competed well, and uh, if you go back and look at the first run that he gave up, ground ball to shortstop. Westberg kind of got caught between hops, kind of made an awkward throw. We didn't get it. Next, that guy comes around and scores. And and really, that was kind of the difference in the, in the JT day. Because then, next thing you know, we get a couple guys on, and we elect to go with, with Tristan Barlow, who had a really, really tough day. Really, really tough ball game. Uh, and he's been lights out for us. He's been money. He's been the left-handed specialist. You know, we needed that last year with uh, with Zach Neff, but we really expected you know Tristan to have a big a big year, and he's had a, a big year for us, but uh, was not good against Arkansas. We all saw it. There's no need to uh, to kind of mince the words here or kind of pick and choose what we say and what we don't say. But um, it was terrible. It's absolutely terrible. And uh, you know, we bring in uh, Jared Leebelt, who is who has proven to kind of be State's most reliable uh, long reliever. And uh, you know, he gives up a couple runs, but at that point it was kind of academic. The game was over. I mean, it was ten nothing in the ninth, and then State gets a uh, two RBI single from Rowdy Jordan uh, to avoid the shutout. Uh, we've only we've only been shut out one time this year, and that was that Friday night ball game against Southern Miss. It went ten innings. We get beat one nothing there, and uh, we we're already doing the math on that and then looking for that. But uh, we can we can sit here and we can uh, pick at it to death. We can beat the horse continually. But the bottom line is, it's a long season. You're going to have some weekends like this. The main thing now is how you respond to this. 
that's the main thing now. And uh, if there's if there was ever a need to respond for Mississippi State this year, it is now because you're going to play Ole Miss on Tuesday. And not only – yes, it is a non-conference game. And, yes, it is for bragging rights. But it also is going to give you a little bit of a preview of each other, kind of how to pitch each other, kind of look at uh, how people respond. You'll kind of figure out how they're going to defense you and that sort of stuff, kind of give you a little bit of a precursor for the, uh, the weekend series coming up here in a couple of weeks. And so when I think about all of that, uh, I think that is good because Jake is, Jake is the mayor, right? That's what everybody calls Jake's the mayor, right? So Jake is from Pearl, Mississippi. Jake is also 3-0 and in his career against Ole Miss in the governor's game. Jake and the leadership of this team will have them ready to go tomorrow night. Now, I don't know if they win a ball game. I'm not going to guarantee you that. But they will come out ready to go. Jake is our guy. Jake had three hits last week. Okay, and so wasn't a good week for Jake. If you remember, uh, a couple weeks ago we were thinking, man, with a great week he could break the hits record against Alabama. Not only did he not break it against Alabama, here we are two weeks later and he still hadn't broken it. And to be honest with you, I think it is a bit of a distraction. And I think the sooner we get it behind us, the better things are going to be, not just for Jake but for the team. I, I, I do think he is pressing a little bit. Uh, now, now he, he may disagree, and uh, you know it's not like Jake is striking out a whole bunch, but uh, – I think the sooner we get this record behind him, the better it's going to be. He currently at 347. The record is 352. So if he can go out there and have a good, you know, four or five hit night uh, tomorrow night, that'd be outstanding. It would also mean State's probably won that ball game pretty handily. And I do know that one of the things that uh, Jake really wanted was the opportunity to have to break, break this thing at home. And a lot of people are thinking, how cool would it be to break it in his hometown? It would be cool. And if he gets six hits tomorrow night, then that means it's been a great night for us. But, uh, be that as it may, uh, this record is, is it's a big deal, but I think it's one of those things, too, that um, you start getting into uncharted territory. You know, I, th- I think it's one of those things that becomes a bit of a sideshow. And uh, I'm sure everybody else around you will tell you that, you know what, this guy's locked in and doing good. But the numbers, you know, last week, and, and, I'll, and I'll run them down for you real quick here. Jake was 3 of 16. Jordan Westberg, 3 of 14. Tanner Allen led the team last week with five hits, five for 14. Elijah Mack, I mean, three for 14. Justin Foscue, just two for 15. Rowdy Jordan, three for 14. Josh Hatcher, one for nine. Luke Hancock, one for four. Dustin Skelton, three for 11. And 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 one of those hits came in a day off. You remember the pinch hit two-run homer against uh, Texas Southern. Brad Cumbust, 0 for four. Gunnar Halter, two for six. Marshall Gilbert, 0 for two. One of the things that I want to say about the uh, the DH situation is, um, you know, I don't know if I don't let Marshall Gilbert hit a little more. Than, and even Marshall is somewhat offensively challenged at times, but he had a big weekend against Alabama, but he's also a guy that's kind of been through it a little bit. And uh, Brad Cumbus is a big, strong, and physical kid that probably has a bright future uh, in baseball. But I, even though I think he's more of a football player, he has really struggled against SEC pitching especially as of late. And uh, I don't know, listen, maybe let him get his swings in a non-conference and then, uh, you know, kind of pinch hit or whatever, let him be, uh, you know, kind of a uh, right-handed DH specialist. But I I don't know if we don't let Marshall Gilbert swing a little more, uh, even though Marshall's a little bit up and down too. But, you know, at least with Marshall, you know, he's had some experience there because you just simply can't get into a situation where you're you're having a lot of these non-productive outs. But uh, every Monday I do the who's hot thing, and and, uh, nobody's hot right now. And when Tanner Allen is the hottest guy on the team with five hits, and that's no that's no slight of Tanner Allen, but it's the fact that 
five hits for the week that led your team five and then you don't have anybody else on the team had more than three hits and you played four ball games Jake Mangum had a 20 game hitting streak that is a single season best snapped on Sunday he was on deck when uh, with the bases loaded when Marshall Gilbert uh, recorded the final out not saying that we would have had an opportunity to come back there but uh, would like to see Jake have an opportunity to swing one more time but to be that as it may it was a awful weekend for Mississippi State baseball but it is just one weekend and it's not the final weekend it's one of those things that we can kind of bounce back from and, and recover from this time last year and I was on Matt Wyatt's show earlier as one of the things that we discussed is you know last year Arkansas ranked in the top 10 came up here a very vulnerable Mississippi State team uh, and state sweeps Arkansas something we absolutely did not expect to happen and it's so weird in each of the last four seasons either state has swept Arkansas at Duty Noble or Arkansas has swept Mississippi State at Bomb so it's been a feast or famine type deal for both teams but I guess what I'm really trying to say in as many words is that there was really not a whole lot to feel good about over the weekend but it's not all is not lost you know Arkansas last year won uh, you know a drop pop-up away from winning the national championship and uh, they certainly didn't feel that way after losing three in Starkville. And they felt like the last year was the best team they ever had. And then to see the, the season end the way that it did uh, kind of validates a lot of that. But uh, it is a long year. And uh, one of the things that I, that I have learned about life is that when we have a little adversity, we kind of find out you know who we are. And I don't just mean as fans because really how we feel doesn't impact a whole lot other than attendance and uh, the attitudes on social media. But this is a team that has some very strong leaders on it. That hadn't always been the case. We kind of developed some last year. You know, as we begin that, that stretch run. I mean, people forget last year, Dustin Skelton was a huge part of things in the postseason and, and really kind of gained some confidence as playing the best baseball of his career right now. Very consistent performer uh, for Mississippi State. But we've, we've got strong leadership, have some exceptional I mean, it's absolutely exceptional players on this team with a highly competitive nature. And so, uh, as a result, you're going to have a reaction. And they'll be they'll be ready to go tomorrow. And we've got Georgia coming in this weekend. Go ahead and be prepared, folks. That Georgia series is going to be low scoring. And I, I can already read the social media posts right now. Why can't we hit good pitching? Well, let me tell you, nobody hits great pitching. Nobody. Even on the college level. Nobody hits elite pitching. You got to learn to win those battles of attrition. You got to find a way to manage the game, find a way to win the ball game. We're going to throw Ethan Small out there on Friday, and you know what? He's going to give us a chance to win ball game. We've got to find a way to get in that bullpen, find a way to win a game. We got to work the count a little bit better. You know, uh, I think Connor Nolan what had what 89 pitches through whatever he threw yesterday or Saturday. It was inc- incredible. We we did not make the pitchers work, and that's one of the things that I have learned about baseball is especially when it's when it's the when it's heated, when there's some heat out there. I want that guy to sit out there a long time. I want him to go through that, you know, his operation over and over and over and over and over again in the heat. I don't even have to replicate that. I don't even stay out there. I want long innings. And uh, you know, there's there's there is a difference between being aggressive and then you know being inefficient with your offensive attack. Uh, you know, Jake Mangum is a free swinger. There's probably not a lot of guys in your lineup right now based on the, the recent numbers that I would say should be a free swinger outside of Jake Mangum because Jake will swing his way through it. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's just that's who Jake is. 
you know, Jake's not happy if he's not swinging. We kind of joked in the press box, I think he went four straight games taking the game's first pitch, the personal best. Uh, but you, you never want to pull the reins back on Jake. But there are some other guys, and, uh, you know, we go through this you know, regularly. There, there's going to be slumps. It's rare that you have a team slump, and that's kind of what we're in right now. So we need to kind of come out of that uh, on Tuesday uh, against the Rebels. And I don't, I, to be honest with you, I don't really care who it is against. We need to get this team swinging the bat again. But the fact that it is Ole Miss and Jake Mangum's hometown, I think probably helps Mississippi State a little bit. I want to remind you guys, too, when you're in town, Bulldog Burger Company, the place uh, to go break bread. And that's where all the cool kids go. There's absolutely no doubt about it. Your family will thank you for bringing them to Bulldog Burger Company. So many great options to choose from. Had uh, some good friends go by and have the spring rolls. They shared with me that we're going to have them for the first time. And, and I can share with you, based on conversation with their spouses, better looking after having the spring rolls better looking it, it it'll cure what ails you it'll make you better looking make make the, the world a more beautiful place by going and eating those spring rolls check their instagram page out bulldog burger company out there on social media you can find out about specials and there's some big news coming up and we'll have that with you soon but the bottom line is you're not going to find a better place to go get a restaurant quality hamburger in starkville mississippi mississippi as a state for the most part then you're going to find at Bulldog Burger Company, the undisputed champions of the restaurant-quality hamburger. Bulldog Burger Company, the place in Starkville people go to meet. So let's take a quick look around the league this weekend. Of course, Arkansas sweeps Mississippi State. Auburn takes two of three from Ole Miss. Uh, Ole Miss now tied with Mississippi State in the SEC standings. A&M takes uh, two of three from South Carolina. Tennessee sweeps Kentucky. Vanderbilt sweeps Alabama, LSU takes two of three from Florida, and Georgia sweeps Missouri. So four sweeps in the league, and uh, that's kind of how you get right, all right, and that's how you get left. Because uh, if you are the team doing the sweeping, you're going to rise up the standings, and it's so difficult to come back uh, from a sweep. And when you begin to look at the SEC standings, you know, we've got a pretty good handle, I guess, of you know who we think the elite teams are and, and kind of who the teams that are struggling this year are going to be, and, you know, the race for Hoover, uh, you know, barring something unforeseen, is going to boil down to, uh, you know, there's a couple teams. And let's run down, you know, kind of what we have in the East here first. Uh, Georgia, number one in the SEC and the SEC East with a 13-5 and conference record, followed by Vanderbilt, 12-6. and And, again, Vandy has the inside track because they've got the easiest schedule of the contenders. Tennessee now 9-9 nine and nine in the league. Again, that's that series win for Mississippi State is going to look better in hindsight, and it's beginning to already. I think Tennessee certainly in the in the discussion to host now. Missouri seven ten and one they they will fade they they will fade. Florida seven and eleven. Uh, you know they win one this past weekend. I think they're in, but they right but you know if the tournament started today they're actually out because of percentage points. But I think they will overtake uh, Mizzou. And then uh, you get down South Carolina five and thirteen, Kentucky now four fourteen, Kentucky now twenty and twenty in the league. Twenty, pardon me, twenty twenty overall. The only team in the league to not have a winning record is Kentucky. And uh, with Nick Minji on up there, you know we we want to see uh, Minji do well. But uh, they they lost a ton. They lost a ton of this, um, you know, of players last year, and then kind of worked their way back into contention. Um, you know, in the next couple of years. That's kind of the hope there is uh, Nick gets his own kids. But um, this this will be back-to-back years of kind of rebuilding. It's one of those things when you begin to look at, uh, at, at Nick, 
and um, and you look at Kentucky and you think, you know, that they need some things, some good things to happen in 2020. I think 2019, for the most part, is over, even though they, they took two of three from Ole Miss. Uh, I just don't see a lot of wins on the horizon for them. I mean, they just don't have much pitching. Uh, so switching over to the East, the SEC West leaders right now, Arkansas. You didn't need me to tell you that. One game out of the SEC overall lead, 12-6 and six in the West. Half a game ahead of Texas A&M, 11-6-1. Mississippi State will play them in College Station. And the road is a tough place. Uh, LSU 11-7, and seven, a game ahead of Mississippi State. Mississippi State, Ole Miss, Auburn, all tied there at 10-8. and eight. State will play Ole Miss head-to-head, obviously. Uh, so you're beginning to run out of SEC Western Division Series. State, just two Western Division Series left, and that's what A&M uh, and that's what Ole Miss. And then uh, looking over on the eastern side of things, State, of course, uh, you know, they got that big South Carolina series coming up. And so that's, you know, it's big. You got Georgia this weekend, and then you got South Carolina. It's one of those things you begin to look at this. You're running out of games to make a run at this thing. You know, we, we, we need to win 18 games to really be in contention, uh, 18 SEC games to be in contention to uh, to be a top eight national seed. I still think State is safely uh, an NCAA host site. But uh, you look at this thing now, you you got to find a way. You've got to find a way uh, to go eight and four and get to eighteen and twelve. You, you've got to. You just simply got to find a way to do it. It's as simple as that. You got four series left, and so you feel good about that South Carolina weekend. But you, know, I don't think you can go into that weekend taking anything for granted. So you've got to find a way. Because we talked about last week, if State could split the, the you know split the twelve and then find a way to, to win that last one that puts you in contention. Uh, for top eight national seed, the road is there. But when you begin to think about the fact that there's there's not a lot of giveaway games left on the Mississippi State schedule, it's going to be difficult to play the way back into a top eight national seed. And I think the first step in that is to win the series this weekend against Georgia. There's no question. That's that is step one in the process. Uh, looking at the rankings, Mississippi State uh, remains a top ten team. I don't know if you guys are aware of this. I'm a D1 baseball guy because Aaron Fitt and Kendall Rogers and those guys, they actually get out and go cover uh, college baseball. There are a lot of people that sit in a basement somewhere and just, you know, go by their own matrix, and uh, they rank teams and want you to take them seriously. Uh, but running down the numbers here, UCLA remains number one, Oregon State two, Stanford three. That's three Pac-12 teams to lead things. Georgia, a 4-0 week last week, number four. Vanderbilt 4-0 week last week, number five. A&M up to number six with a 2-2 two two week. They move up one spot after taking two out of three from a very, very bad South Carolina team. Uh, Louisville up, or Louisville down, pardon me. That's, that's weird to me. Louisville's up a spot. Yeah, Louisville's up a spot at seven. Arkansas, eight, up from 12. Mississippi State, number nine, down from number three. And then UC Santa Barbara at 10. Georgia Tech, 11. ECU at 12. Mississippi State with a win there. LSU at 13. Uh, LSU two and two on the week moves up a spot. I, I don't I don't get it. I absolutely don't get it. I think LSU, if I'm not, not mistaken, LSU has more losses than anybody else in the top 25. This love affair uh, with LSU is amazing. LSU in Florida, and uh, I know there are some people out there that, that trade favorable rankings for access, and that appears to be the case. But uh, you know, LSU actually moving up a spot with a two and two week, considering that. Um, one of those losses was uh, in the midweek. I mean, that's just it's, – it's amazing to me. Uh, NC State down to 14. Arizona State is 15. North Carolina uh, 16 after 3-1 and one week. West Virginia 17. Texas Tech 18. Mississippi State with a win there. 
And then Ole Miss 19. Ole Miss down four spots after a two-and-two week. Probably a bit high. Uh, Tennessee, number 20. Baylor in at 21. Oklahoma State moves into the, the rankings at 22. Indiana, 23. That's the fighting former Chris Lamonises. And then Miami, number 24. And Auburn back in at number 25. TCU drops out of the rankings along with Missouri and Clemson. And uh, Missouri and Clemson had no business being there in the first place. All of that said, uh, rankings on April 22nd don't mean much at all. A lot of baseball left to be played. As John Cohen told me many, many years ago, the only poll that really counts is the last one, and that's the one that we want to be number one in. Got to find a way to figure this thing out. Got to find a way to figure this thing out and uh, to get this thing turned around. And it is amazing how what a difference a week makes and how we kind of perceive our team. There's no question. You know, it's like you're only as good as your last outing, and, and that's kind of how it feels right now. And it's one of those things, too, it's, it's the, the loss of hope that this is the year. That's what happens any time that you have that big weekend like we had against Alabama. We feel like, okay, all right, yeah, we did what a contending team should do, and that is sweep a struggling team like Alabama. We had not had a sweep all year. And we just kind of felt like, you know what, we can, we can take care of this deal now and kind of get the ship righted as we get ready to head into the second half. We took care of business and felt really good about ourselves. We go into this past week thinking we got to find a way to win the midweek, obviously. And if we could find a way to take the series at Arkansas, then all of a sudden that legitimizes our own team and our own minds as a bona fide championship contender. Then the worst thing possible happened is we get swept. We had to, at the very least, get one. And that we had hoped to win the series. And then when you lose that, that first ball game, and it puts so much pressure on uh, on Peyton Plumley and, and the staff on for game two, and you just feel like, okay, we've got to find a way to, to, to salvage this thing on, Sunday, on, on Saturday. And I, I keep getting, but you know what I'm saying. You understand that there's just so much that goes along with that. And there's just nothing we can feel good about. And, and it's not just that we lost, it's how we lost that kind of brings so much of this negativity and this angst out in people. And so I get that. I, I, don't, I don't discount that at all. And uh, you know, there's some people that, that, that get way over the top with it. But you got to understand all that's coming from the same place. We just all handle a little bit differently. We all want to see Mississippi State do well. And there are some people out there, even some people in my in my business, that try to lay the groundwork to come back later to say, I told you so, just in case things don't work out. But to be brutally honest with you, I am so unbelievably tired of this, oh, woe is us, Mississippi State mentality, that there's so much of that that is prevalent uh, among you know some of our, our fans, especially on social media. And I'm sure there are other people that have that same sentiment and just don't share it, don't have a forum to share it. But this, you know, that she loves me, she loves me not mentality uh, is tired. And uh, it's one of those things we all get involved with sports because we love it and because it's fun for us. And uh, listen, nobody is ever going to dominate the SEC uh, like State did at times in the 80s and LSU did in the 90s. It just just doesn't happen that way anymore. There is just too much parity in the league. The commitment to college baseball is greater than it's ever been before in this league. And so everybody is capable of beating anybody every single weekend. And so understand that going in. And I think some of these times, you know, we have these moments of irrational exuberance where 
we get all caught up thinking, okay, well, we just swept Alabama. And I saw some people on social media saying, you know what, we might go sweep Arkansas. And I, and I thought to myself, I, I doubt that happens. But, man, how nice would that be? Because we saw – and because what happens, Ole Miss, who we I think we all agree, is a very Jekyll and Hyde team. Very much so. Much like LSU. You never know which team's going to show up. Well, they won the series against Arkansas, so I think that gave Bulldog fans a lot of confidence, thinking, you know what, Ole Miss is so up and down that if they could go up there and win, we should be able to go up there and win too. And then we don't. And I believe that kind of feeds a lot of that anger. It's like, well, look, you know, I got to go to the water cooler on Monday, Steve, and I got to talk to to, uh, to Biff. And Biff's going to be like, hey, you know, tough series loss for you guys. We beat Arkansas. And so it's one of those things, too, that I wish we could kind of evolve from and kind of grow from. Uh, but we, are, we have a great baseball team, and we're going to have a great baseball season. We are having a great baseball season. But we did not have a championship weekend this past weekend. But uh, rather than throwing the baby out with the bathwater, I say we go play baseball the rest of the year anyway. Uh, I believe that you're going to see some things change. So one of the things that I believe is that you will see change this weekend is I suspect JT Ginn will stay on Saturday. You know, now that he's back and doing well and he's had back-to-back good outings and has had no lingering issues with the arm soreness. So I suspect that you will have Ethan Small on Friday, JT Ginn go on Saturday, and then I think you still stick with Peyton Plumley on Sunday. Uh, I think you could see Keegan James pitch uh, tomorrow night against Ole Miss. We'll, we'll see how that goes. I mean, I don't think we know for sure. I have reached out to a couple people and uh, been told that uh, – there are still some discussions, and that we will probably announce a starter uh, later today, maybe tomorrow. But uh, be that as it may, it'll be a Johnny Holstaff deal. We're going to go out there and try to win the ball game, but at the same time, too, you know, we're not going to go uh, waste any arms for the weekend. So, you might see Keegan James start and uh, get through the order one time, and then we kind of take it from there. Uh, would love to see somebody really kind of emerge as a hero, and we, we have seen that at times in this game. You know, a couple of years ago, Jacob Billings, he threw you know, one of the better games of his career uh, you know, against Ole Miss. I, I would say the best game that J.B. threw would be that regional win down at Southern Miss. But J.B. was a hero in the Mayor's Trophy game or the Governor's game uh, a couple of years ago. He had that slider working, and Ole Miss simply couldn't hit it. Uh, so somebody will step up and do something. And uh, it would be nice if we had somebody come out there, whether it be Tyler Spring or, uh, you know, I don't know, you know, one of those other guys come out there and go three or four innings and, and kind of, take charge that ball game there's always somebody that does it there's always somebody for one of those teams that kind of becomes the hero and so uh, with all that we've got riding on this and really it's an rpi boost too we you know not to mention all the bragging rights and things that go with it we want to anytime that you can get a win over a quality team you need to go get that win and the fact that it's all miss makes it even that much more important but uh i'm eager to see who we trot out there uh, Ole Miss has really struggled with left-handers. I, you know, and I don't, I don't know that you waste a left-hander against them in a midweek game. I just don't. I know that a lot of people out there say, "Oh, we got to win this game," and I want to win it too. But uh, I really want to go be Georgia, and I really want to find a way to win that series this weekend. There's no way that I'm going to sacrifice the possibility of winning this weekend just to win a midweek game uh, against Ole Miss. It's just I think that as a baseball program, we are so much more ahead of that than uh, we should not worry with that sort of sentiment. And so. We'll share that on social media once we know it, of who the starter will be. Uh, but, uh, again, it's not gonna, we're not going to tr- try Tristan Barlow out there uh, to start on Tuesday night just because they struggle against left-handers. And they, and they do, but it's one of those things, too, that I think that uh, you know, the bigger issue is Georgia. 
I'm not trying to downplay the significance of winning that ball game because trust me, I want to. If we lined up and we had kids, uh, you know, playing checkers, I'm going to pull for the kid in the maroon. That's just the reality of things. I mean, I want to beat Ole Miss and everything, but there is a bigger picture here. That's one of the things over the weekend that I thought was rather interesting. Is uh, on Saturday when, is we're all making our preparations for Harry Carey, and uh, we simply couldn't throw strikes. Everybody's like, "Well, bring in this guy, bring in that guy." You know, you know, Chris Lamonis has to manage the whole weekend, and I'm sure in his mind he was thinking, "We're going to save Barlow and Leibs for Sun for Saturday," and uh, you know, you not you got to keep managing the whole process and not just manage the game. And uh, listen, there have been some times that I have second guessed. Chris Lamonis. Uh, there are some times that I think we have a tendency to leave pitchers in too long. Sometimes a hitter or two too long. But you know what? That's baseball. Nobody is uh, clairvoyant when it comes to this sort of things. You need to kind of understand that coming out of the gate. There's going to be some times that you're going to stick with a guy and he's going to work through it. And there are going to be other times you pull a guy. And I, I think, you know, that we pulled JT again maybe a little bit too early on Saturday. Probably would have allowed him the opportunity to work out. He'd only given up the, I guess, there only been one ball really barreled up, I thought. I mean, the first inning, they hit a couple of, you know, hard ground balls. But when JT has got that slider working, when they make contact, that's what's going to happen. They're going to beat the ball on the ground. That's why you play a big infield. You go out there and you, you, you scoop it up. You throw it first and you, you go hit. But uh, probably pulled him a little bit too early. And I think now that he's had a couple of, you know, of strong outings under his belt, I think you'll, you'll let him get extended a little bit more now. But you kind of knew going in – we're not going to be able to get seven, eight, nine innings out of JT again on uh, Saturday, and so you kind of got to manage Friday night with that in mind. But I know when uh, when we're walking people, you're beginning to think, let's just you know, throw the bad boy, you know, whatever we got to do, just get somebody up there to throw strikes. And that's one of the things that I think about so many times uh, with every bit of this is um, sometimes you get an umpire that doesn't work with you. Some sometimes you just have a rough night that kind of affects the entire staff. And that was really the case in that ball game. And so hopefully that is behind us. I know that Scott Foxhall is one of the best pitching coaches in the country. He will have them ready to go. We will have a game plan ready to execute for Tuesday night and this weekend against Georgia. And so my hope is we can go out there and swing the bats. You know, Ole Miss is not going to throw one of their aces either. Okay, they're, they're going to be throwing a midweek pitcher. Uh, and Ole Miss, as you see, has kind of struggled in the midweek uh, hitting the baseball too. And so, you know, we'll kind of see how things uh, develop there. But it will be a very emotional, exciting atmosphere there at Trustmark Park in Pearl. Hopefully you can make it out and be a part of that. want to share with you, too, if you hadn't done so, the uh, you can go to StarkVillains.com and you can order your Stark Villain gear. And uh, I'm beginning to see more and more of it. And I want to thank you guys for the support. Uh, not only do I think it's really cool, I think it's one of those things, too, that um, we have kind of missed a boat on. And uh, as when the book comes out, and, and uh, we'll be doing some, you know, the, there, there's all the business of the books that's, uh, that comes ahead. You know, they'll be doing the, the book jacket, so we'll have, uh, they're coming to take my picture and all that kind of stuff. And then they're going to be sending me some mock-ups of the cover. And, and uh, so now it's kind of getting real. And uh, tomorrow I will write uh, the rough draft on uh, a very important story from the 1950s involving the kidnapping of our beloved bulldog, Bully. We'll write that story from both sides, and then on Thursday I will submit the rough draft uh, for a story with Greg Carter. Uh, the four overtime win over Ole Miss in men's basketball, and then from there, 
that's when you know that's the bulk of things and then from there you know you, I've got to write the introduction the acknowledgments and and there will be a chapter about history about the establishment of the rivalry and that sort of stuff and then we're done and then uh, then all of it comes back around and I got to do some rewrites and edits and sort of stuff but uh, but this week is pretty much the last week of uh, of the very heavy interview chapters where I've got to do a bunch of transcription and all that sort of stuff and so we're getting down to the nitty-gritty we will have a release date soon We'll make some decisions on that. And uh, I I love creating. This is the part of the process sometimes that kind of grates on me a little bit because this is where I have to be somewhat objective and um, take the emotion out of some of the things that I've created. And it's very difficult. And I'm, I'm such a baby about stuff sometimes. You know, I, when, when I first write something, I need to let it breathe a little bit before I go back and look at it. Uh, because when somebody suggests to me, hey, let's rewrite this or need more explanation here or what does this mean, Initially, I can't really wrap my mind around. I don't, I don't want to mess with it, you know. And so, I give it some time, let it breathe, and I go back to it. And so, we'll get that done, and uh, we'll have a book to you guys pretty soon. And uh, I got to share with you, uh, it's been one of the greatest joys of my life uh, to write this book and and to interact with so many great Mississippi State heroes and kind of get their thoughts and, and kind of a trip down memory lane with some great wins and the rivalry and just kind of the culture at Mississippi State and. And uh, I'll tell you, I, I loved my time with Bob Tyler and I uh, had a chance to interview him. And it really seems, and while he would never say it, but uh, in my research for the book and, and my interview with him, it seems like that's when Mississippi State really got serious about football. That's, that's when things began to change. When Bob Tyler came, we decided, you know what, we want to be competitive in football. And, uh, and I'm eager for you guys to hear his thoughts about, uh, you know, about coming here and, and kind of being a part of things and kind of turning things around. And I was very honored to meet him. Uh, last year when he came and was honored with his name on the recruiting lounge at the uh, new Davis Wade Stadium uh, expansion. You know, it's a, it's a big part of things. And so uh, very, very eager for you guys to read this. And, and there were times that I was rushing to get this thing out, but I decided to back off and kind of take my time because uh, I felt like the quality of the work kind of suffered a little bit. When, I, when I'm rushing, I don't think it's nearly as good. And so I take some time on... And I get some good windshield time, and it's baseball trip stuff's good for me because I'll do an interview and then I can go travel and I think, okay, how do I want to kind of frame this up? And uh, it gives me an idea of the best way to kind of, you know, kind of comprise these chapters and, and kind of get them together for you guys. And so that'll that'll be soon. We'll have a release date for you soon. And uh, you know, I'll be honest with you, as much as I enjoyed the writing process, I'm I'm kind of ready for, I'm ready for the rest of it. You know, I'm ready for all the promotional part of it, and I'm kind of geared up for all that. And uh, really the main thing is, is I'm ready for you guys to have an opportunity to uh, to read these stories, many of which you don't know, many of which you've never heard. And there's a generation of Bulldog fans out there that don't know a lot about our history. And uh, I kind of approached the book with that in mind, is that I, there were people, as long as I have loved Mississippi State, there were some people that I had never met and never spoken to. And I wanted to get their perspective on things and what they love about Mississippi State. And that's the one thing that I can share with you in every single chapter. The one thing that you're going to read is an unbelievable and undying love for Mississippi State as an institution, as a fan base, as a family. And you're going to be proud to be part of that. And so eager, 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 eager to get this done. Well, folks, that's going to do it for today. Thanks so much for your time, your patronage, and support of the Boneyard low these many years. Hope that you guys have an absolutely great week. We'll be back on Wednesday to recap the Governor's Trophy game and get ready to preview uh, that big series against Georgia. A lot going on. 
uh, in baseball right now. It's a little bit of the, quote, slow season right now because all we have is baseball and softball. And listen, softball with a big win, uh, they, they were able to salvage a game from Ole Miss after losing 21 nothing. They come back and win the ball game and still had a chance to win uh, the series. Uh, so big win for them. That's one thing about Van and, and their crew. They always find a way to steal one from one of these top-ranked teams. And so uh, happy to see that and uh, happy to kind of move forward with all that. But until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we'll make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. Saving money on exterior wall lights. Now at Menards. Find your style with Patriot Lighting. Exterior lights enhance the look of your home. Choose from over 50 options from Patriot Lighting. Now through May 19th, get $10 instant savings on a single qualifying purchase of $100 or more on in-stock outdoor wall lights. Check out our entire selection of outdoor lights and see the rest of our deals happening now on Menards.com. Save big money.